Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the text I go, I get at yesterday at 12.09 p.m. Hi, I'm fresh off a heartbreak. <gasps> you want to turn it into a filler episode. Welcome to Crush the Podcast. I'm Kirsten Lyons, and I'm joined by my co-host and cousin, Erin Raiderstorff. Just kidding. <laughs> She's currently flying a private jet right now with John Travolta. I don't know. I just came up with it. Scientology was on my brain. I don't know. No, but I'm also here with our third co-host, Claire McCallan. And today on the show, we have Lily. Claire, what did you say? Sorry. No, it's I'm fine. happy to be here. She's happy to be here. She's happy to interrupt me. I'm just kidding. I don't care. Um, we're getting weird feedback. So they're muted right now, but also maybe there wasn't weird feedback and I just wanted them to mute themselves so we could, I could hear myself talk. One of five children. LA, I'm obsessed with Phoenix. Like I love Arizona so much. I mean, to each their own. You know what I mean? I'm really? not going to judge. Oh, that was a very judge. That's a hot no. Day. It's, I know it's so funny. I have a really dear friend that is in Phoenix and has been there for years. And right when we were trying to decide if we were going to get, take this contract again or not and leave, cause my husband was hosting a show that shot there. I, my friend was like, don't you love, don't you love the desert? Like everything in the desert. And she's like talking all about the desert. And I had this like really big moment. I think I've shared about it on crush too, but it was like this really defining moment for me where I was like, I don't have to like the desert because she likes the desert and it's okay that my beauty is like East coast, like New York and above. Like that's my, what I think anything that looks like the UK is like so beautiful to me. And I realized (laughs) that it was like a moment. Cause I think, I don't know if anybody else feels like this, but I feel bad if I don't like something that someone else does. Mm. Or like I used to get offended if people didn't like like if people didn't like what I liked, then I would be like, oh. and now I would, yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm pretty chill with if people don't like what I like, because then I just feel like a hipster where I'm like, well, I like something cool that you don't like. Um, so, yeah, but I Arizona, the I, if I'm like, do you like this? And you're like, no, then that's OK. But if I'm walking down the street and someone's like, don't like those shoes or if, you know, a friend, it's always like some awful like, girlfriend who like secretly doesn't like you, who's like, oh, oh those are interesting. Yeah. It's like, no, I didn't ask if you like it. I yes. like it. The yes. unsolicited, yeah. It has to yeah. depend on what the topic is on for yeah, sure. The content. And yeah. I am a big sister. And so in my life, I've given a lot of unsolicited advice. And I now look <laughs> back and I'm like, you shouldn't have said that. That was really <laughs> not cool, Kirsten. But at the oh, time, yeah. I thought I was being like really helpful. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I was not. I was not. Claire, do you want to, Claire and I chatted today. Actually, I got a text. This is the text I go, I get at yesterday at 12.09 PM. Hi, I'm fresh off a heartbreak. (gasps) You want to turn it into a filler episode? Yeah. This is how we we mine our lives for content. I was about to say, it's so alarming that like I have my heart broken and I'm like, do you want to make a episode? (laughs) I shared this on the podcast, I think, but I would cry, be so sad over a boy and then run to the mirror to look like what I look like. Cause I'm an actor. So I was like, is this believable? Oh, oh this is believable. Anytime a guy breaks my heart, I'm like, thanks for the content. I'm going, oh, I've made so much money off of dudes. Like, and exactly Claire knows, I Claire knows one of the guys who I, I know multiple of the guys. We've talked about this. That's right. I, I know multiple 
you know, you probably see my like Instagram captions and my posts and you're like, I know who this guy is. And I'm like, well, I'm laughing all the way to the bank because you gave me some content. That's like when people like make little digs about like, I don't know, you guys are content creators. So it's like, okay, I made a reel. And then people are like, oh, like you're spending a lot of time on Instagram. I'm like, yes, so are you, but I get paid, you know, <laughs> like I, because I'm producing, not consuming. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're right. both on our phones a lot, but at the end of the month, I get a check. Yeah. And same with like when people, I have, a, I, oof, this is not what Kirsten asked me to talk about. I'm very defensive of my girl, Taylor Swift. Tonight I'm going to go see, get this, a string orchestra perform all Taylor Swift songs in a Jewish temple. I'm very excited. I'm gonna go get an outfit after this. I'm looking for something with the train. Better be posting um, that. Oh, I will. I will. Um, but yeah, when people like make fun of Taylor Swift, I'm like, dude, you're getting your heart broken too. But Taylor Swift has made a beautiful life out of it and helped so many people and made so much money and got to do the thing. So like, yeah. yeah. People call me the Taylor Swift. Swift of the Catholic online dating scene. Oh, no. <laughs> Because I'm like inevitably gonna write about whatever my Catholic match date experience was right. or whatever. And I warn people, I warn the guys, yeah. they're like, So what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a writer, so no promises that I'm not gonna write about you. And they're 100%. like, Okay. And you'll do it with kindness and with respect and not use names or like yeah. e details, but like, yeah, it's your life too. And these are real things that happen. And I always tell them, I'm like, if you don't want me to write about it, do not do it. If it's something you couldn't yes. say the in print don't do it to my poor sweet little heart you know <laughs> like these are just the facts um, okay so I got my little heart broken in slow motion Kirsten I called her I was like all right I finally ended it with him and she was like didn't you end it like a month ago and I was like oh yeah but I, I did the I did the slow version where you break it down over a month <laughs> my mom <laughs> used to like, my mom used to always say take the band-aid off quickly it hurts so much more to take the band-aid off slowly and I'm like yeah but I'm like really dramatic and taking it off so slowly so healthy and I wanted to keep my band-aid on I liked my band-aid like yeah it was like you know it wasn't like I shouldn't have had the Band-Aid, but I liked my Band-Aid. It gets it's sticky so and like part of the Band-Aid starts to like peel off, but you're like, it's yeah, super safe. Kind of, you know, it's my Band-Aid, you know? Yeah. And like now my little wound is going to be out to the world again. And it was nice to have a Band-Aid for like a couple months, okay? Because right. everyone else has a Band-Aid. Why can't I have a Band-Aid for once? <laughs> well, so anyway, also, also it's horrible. Do you want like what you just said, my wound is out to the world. And it's like, but if I keep the Band-Aid on, it doesn't it doesn't feel like my wound is there, right? I know the ba- I know the wound is going to be exposed. Can I just hold on to it not being exposed for a little bit longer? And the reality is you can, but it's going to hurt more because it's going to, the Band-Aid is now stuck there longer. Yeah. And it's just going to hurt more. Yeah. And that's metaphors with Claire and Kirsten. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's the thing. I, the only person I'm frustrated with in all of this is myself because I, you know, I took too long with the Band-Aid and I have no malice against this person. Wonderful person. Not what was intended for my life um, now or probably, I guess, long down the line. It just hurts, you know, and I know you're all up in this Lillian too, but it's like, I think it gets harder as we get older because we're wanting something that's going to be good and permanent more. Um, So like when I was in my early twenties, I'm 28 now and in my early twenties, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, okay, let it glide off because like, I really was not looking for a life partner at 22. Um, Now it's different because I am. And well, honestly, what I keep telling people truly, everyone's like, 
because I've had boys be like, I'm sorry, Claire, but it's just like, you're looking to get married and have kids and I'm not going to be ready for another four years. I'm like, I cannot be straightforward enough. Like I am looking for a boyfriend. (laughs) It is not that deep. Like I do want those things, but you gotta be my boyfriend before my husband. Like that is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, But it's hard when it's like, you're getting older and you're wanting it more. And then also the more we figure out with time throughout our twenties, like, okay, I want this. I don't want that. You keep getting closer to what you want. And you're finding people who are like 80, 85% of what you're looking for. I really and thought you were going to say you're finding people that are 80 or 85 years old. I was like, Oh my God. Oh, I gave myself oh. a pep talk today. I was like, worst case scenario. You, I think of Catherine McPhee marrying David Foster. And I think she has a very good life. <laughs> She She also cheated. She also cheated on her first husband, but it's fine. It's fine. Well, (laughs) um, it's hard when you meet people who are like wonderful. Like this guy is great. He has so many good qualities and it's really hard when you meet someone who's like 85% of what you're looking for and what you need. Cause it's like really hard to let go of something that was so what you're looking for, especially when what you're looking for feels pretty specific and pretty rare. Right. Um, so this just hurt. I, but I've been like in a funk and I run for those who don't know a home for artists where I serve as creative director, curator. I'm the founder of it. I also practically day-to-day speaking means that I'm mommy to a bunch of 20 somethings. Uh, we were cracking up this morning. Cause like it's 8am morning prayer. I'm walking away. I have my eyes still kind of like stuck down. And one of them comes over to me and he's like, can I show you my art? And then I was laughing. He's like, it's literally kids being like, mommy, look at what I made. Mommy's like, what I made. It's 8am. And I'm like, yeah, let me get my coffee. I'll come with your art. And it was amazing. And I'm so glad I did, but I've had no emotional energy for the artists, for my friends, for myself, for anything. And it's, I'm feeling myself like, it's like the juice is going back through my veins and I'm smiling at strangers again, which is good because that's a really big part of who I am. And it's um, something- let's just stop. What you said to me was not that I'm smiling, smiling at strangers. What you said to me was I'm stri- smiling at boys on the street again. So let's be honest. Okay. It wasn't just like, oh, there's I'm a sweet lady holding her packages boy. from Trader Joe's. She's smiling at boys again. That's random. Right. I'm at boys I again. believe the quote was I'm smiling at random boys again on the street. I am. It's true. Which is like everything about me that you need to know. And I stopped smiling at random boys on the street because I'm a very loyal person. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it feels good to be myself again, even if I'm myself alone. I think it's also really important to note, like sometimes, and, and we talked about this, we can think someone is a really awesome person and the behavior that they did was not awesome. And it can be it can be an and, right? Like, yes. I think a lot of times we want to, if the guy isn't cheating or lying or, or like doing the big red flags, then we're like, oh, well, he's like a really good guy. Like, and it's like, no, he didn't, he did things. And I'm not specifically talking about this. I'm not going to yeah. bear yeah. anything, but like, I can look back at my dating history, which was very varied and, and very full. And I, allowed myself to get treated. I just, I'm, I just saw this on TikTok, but it was like, he treated me. I was hit. I was a chapter in his story. He was my title. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I'm sure people have said that before, but I think that there are so many people that I, because of who I am, I really do believe that everybody is good, right? I believe everybody is created in God's image and I believe everybody is good. And so the problem with that is I think 
is that then I actually let them get away with things that they shouldn't be getting away with. And even Claire, when you've shared things in the past about boys and mm -hmm. Aaron, our, my other co-host has said this, and I remember coming out of my major breakup with my ex-fiance and saying things and other people would validate things for me. And they're like that, uh, that's not okay. And I was like, but, but, but wait. And they're like, no, like, that's not okay. And one of the things my husband says that I love so much, he's, he, when he talks to people, he's like, well, what would you say to someone else? And if someone else came to you with what you're going through, what would uh -huh. you say to them? And I don't, I don't know if you got that from therapy, humble brag, my husband went to therapy. I love that because I think we're so good. I mean, Claire, we were even talking about this. You do your love life updates. You're so great at dishing out advice but it is so hard for us. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you run a home for artists, if you're a mother, if you are a therapist, or if you're just a friend, like a human being friend, whatever. It is so much easier to give other people and see their objective, but it is so hard to see our own lives. And I think it's why it's so important to let good, valuable people in your life and in those relationships and in those dating. And I think I can look back and see when I was hiding things from people. And I, it was a subconscious thing, but I was hiding things because I didn't want to hear what they had to say. Yeah. So and that's really something that happened that was really valuable. It was a friend of mine. He yeah. was like, Claire, if some girl wrote into love life updates and told you that she was accepting like things that you've been accepting and acting the way you've been acting, he was like, you would tear her a new asshole. <laughs> and that was just like, oh my gosh, like I, like I cannot be a hypocrite. You know, like I cannot be telling girls like, and this and that, and don't accept like this and that, and then be accepting it myself. Like I would never allow someone exactly like you said, someone who I care about, I would never let them to do these things to themselves. So, yeah. I think also something that's really valuable that I didn't really get until I started writing Crushed. Why is it the boys that you like, don't like you back? The main like feature was me in sixth grade, my, my school picture. And that's how this all came about. Like, what would you tell your 12 year old self and all that? I feel like we should all have a framed picture of ourselves at that age, 12, 13, middle school. Mm -hmm. And that's the girl we're fighting for. That's the girl we're like, like that's the girl. And I think sometimes we allow ourselves to be treated so poorly because we're allowing our 26, 36, 46, 56 year old woman to be treated like that. But we would never allow that 12 year old to be treated like that. Cause she probably was treated so poorly and we want to fight for her so badly. Sorry, Lillian, you wanted to say something. Oh yeah. Um, I was just going to say that a lot of the time we're blinded to it. Like we don't even see the behavior. Like I recently was in like this weird situation. I was relaying the conversation that I had with him to my friends. And my friend was like, that was such a disrespectful conversation. She was like, what he said to you was so disrespectful and he did it for himself and not for you. Mm. And I was like, what? I, and I, it really like totally changed my perspective. And she said, and then she said to me, the sad thing is, is that you don't believe that you deserve better than this. Yep. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's right. And it actually, it's, it was weird because, um, I think that there was a part that I was, I was lying to myself that this person like really cared for me in a genuine way, like mm. truly loved me. Um, but I completely blinded myself to the actions and the reality of the situation. Um, and it needed a friend to be like, you you're, you're allowing this because you don't think you deserve better than this. You don't think that you're going to get better than this guy. And that's really sad. 
And I was just like, whoa, okay. And it changed how I looked at him. It changed how I looked at myself and it really helped me to get over it. And, and yeah, now I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, I would rather be alone than with kind of like scraping the bottom of the barrel kind of a vibe. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. I have two huge things after that one. Thank you for saying that. Um, so I just posted on guys I'm on TikTok now and it's actually going really well. And I would like to, um, humbly apologize to Aaron. Who's not on this right now. Um, and say, I'm sorry, because she was trying to get me on it for over a year. And I kept pushing it off. I just posted a thing about me in Hollywood and me in Hollywood is the dear John, the Taylor Swift, dear John. It's not me and a guy it's, it's Hollywood and horrible things. Mostly that Hollywood kept saying to me, like, you're not pretty enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not pretty enough. And I can't even tell you the toxicity of what you're just saying, what I did, not only with guys, but with this whole dream of mine and to be in Hollywood. And I literally, like, I wrote in this thing, I was like, but you're Hollywood. So if you think it, like, I should be, I should be grateful that I'm even getting 12 auditions a year, like that somebody as amazing as you would think that about me. And it wasn't until I was making this like a a week ago, not even that I realized That's exactly how I'm, what I'm still struggling with as I go back into this business after eight years is like, I'm still struggling with the like, thank you for noticing me. I'm like, what the? And I just love that you said that because I think now being the age that I am and being married for 11 years and having marriages around me and getting to be, my husband and I were just talking about this actually with his parents who were visiting We are privy to a lot of marriages. A lot of people let us into their marriages, either the entire marriage or either the husband or the wife, but it's usually the wife. But a lot of times it's entire marriage. I can't tell you what I would give to go back and tell those women before they got married, like, you don't have to do this. It's not going to make you whole. And thank God that happened to me. I I, I didn't get really to choose, but it happened to me with my ex. But like scraping the bottom of the barrel 10, 15 years later, or not allowing yourself that respect and that honesty and that dignity, then you put kids involved. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with, honestly, with people that are not your partner, that don't value you, that you're taking on everything by yourself. And I'm not talking, this is like multiple marriages I'm watching. And these are quote unquote, godly men. Yep. And I feel like I wish there was a questionnaire. I want to make it. I work, you know what? We're going to make a questionnaire on Crushed. And it shouldn't, these are the things that you need to like find out from a guy. And I think the number one thing is, do you believe we're partners? Do you believe that a man and a woman can be partnership and a team? Number two, do you believe in therapy? Number three, do you believe that you're smarter than me? Because I dated guys and I had, they were not Christian men, but they 100% believed they were smarter than me. And I remember there were moments where they realized, wow, I was smart. And I remember one of the guys was like mean to me. Cause he was like mad at me that I would be intelligent. So I just, I, I really like, there's so much masculine toxicity and I, I, I do believe it happens in the faith-based world, but I don't think it's all of the faith-based world. And I don't believe that they're bad guys. I think they're guys that just have not asked big questions of themselves because nobody has to, because they're guys and they get away with so much. And yes. I, because we allow them to. Let's put a responsibility on ourselves too. This is a two-way street. Anyway, all that to say, I am. I'm going to make a questionnaire for all our crushies. Um, okay. So desperate for love that we're willing to do anything. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. 
I, we're willing I, to betray ourselves. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Well, it's the greatest gift of the female heart, right? Because like in the context of a marriage, the um, whatever the hell the female heart is made of, like this indestructible rubber where it can bend and fold and bounce back. That's so great when you're like in that union with someone and once it's a permanent bond, but it makes us capable of holding on and like enduring too much in what should be quick relationships of like oh the first time it falls you should be like nope and then you don't but we bend and we stretch and bounce we are acting like we're already five years in that's what I realized I was so committed especially to my ex-fiance I was so committed to him way before we got engaged Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons I was so committed to him was he was so wounded and damaged from his own family that I felt like I needed to be the one to like protect him and take care of him and love him. And he, I bent over backwards because I was like, I grew up in a loving, stable home and this is my job to do this. And I'm, that's my trauma. My trauma from my childhood is if I take care of everybody else, then I'm safe. And so let me tell you how I'm going to take care of you because I mean, it's all interconnected. I had so much growing up to do, but like, Anyway, just that's, that's, that's it. Um, we're going to move on. And but that's boy talk with the girl. All right. So Lillian Fallon is the marketing manager at Litany NYC. Is that what it is? Litany NYC? Litany? Yes. And, okay, cool. Correct. A Catholic fashion label based in New York. Previously working as a style editor at Verily Magazine, Lillian is passionate about exploring the connection between the physical interior of the human person as seen through personal style. Believing that sartorial choices can dignify the body and aid in the expression of the soul, Lillian draws from St. John, nope, Lillian draws from St. Pope John Paul II's Theology of the Body as her primary source of inspiration. She's currently finishing up Theology of Style, a book based on her findings. Okay, I want you, I want you to know I almost said a book based on her feelings. I was like, yeah. Oh, also, but it is also based on my feelings. Very strong. Um, welcome to Crush the Podcast, Lillian. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. We're so excited. I also love that now in this season, we have all of our guests in the intro and people are like, um, why are you introducing them? I've already met them. They've already shared <laughs> about their dating history. I don't understand. But anyway, Lillian, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I'm hey. so excited to get into your crush moment. Although that sounded really weird. Like I'm so excited to talk about when you were crying and sad. Um, but I will say this. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. I was looking for a crush moment. Okay. But first we're going to play mash. So Claire, hey. take it away. Let me know if you want prompts. Okay. I think I've got this. I've been practicing. Oh my gosh. Mom. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the year is 2003. We are in fourth grade. This is how you play mash. We're in the back of the classroom. Mrs. Gibson's teaching. You and I, I slide you a piece of paper, okay? Mash stands for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. Which one do you want? And then we'll get into the rest of your life preferences. Um, definitely the mansion. Listen, not everyone wants a mansion. Some Her. people want a shack. No, I want I a shack on stilts. That was what Claire yeah. wanted in DC. So that sounds pretty cool, actually. I always ended up with like, I would marry my crush, but then I would be like a, like zoo poop cleaner with in a hut or a shack. And we would have like a million kids. So I'd be like, Oh my gosh. I was like, at least I'm like married to my crush, but now like I live in a shack and I have a hundred kids, but 
<laughs> I just want to say like as a zoo poop cleaner, yeah. that's a lot of different I want to know out is anybody listening an actual zoo poop cleaner? Is that a real thing? <laughs> I just want to know. Like I think I go to this is not something that I, you know, I try to keep some parts of my life private. So this is not something people know about me, but I actually go to the aquarium like a lot more than the average person. Well, <laughs> I really thought like you were gonna say I actually volunteer to clean up poop at the zoo. And I was like, okay, no, I'm, there's I'm no judgment. Like girl that's like there a lot. And I think that like so many people want to work with animals and zoos and aquariums that like you just you have to put up with quite literally a lot of shit if you want to be one of the ones like let near the seals, you know? Totally. But Lillian got the job of just cleaning up the poop. Like she couldn't even feed them or cuddle them or give them a bottle. She just had to clean up the poop. Plus she has a ton of children. So that's also a ton of poop and diapers. Lillian, I'm so glad you married your crush. Who were you going to marry? Oh, oh my gosh. So his name was Andrew. Um, and he was a part of this like family of our home. So I was homeschooled and we had, yes, you were. Yes, you were. (laughs) And so in like homeschooler world, there's always a family with cute boys who every single girl in the homeschooler community obsesses over. And everyone was in love with this guy named Andrew. And I felt kind of like a loser because I just liked the same dude that everyone else liked but I was like convinced that I really liked him for who he was yeah. um so yeah, yeah we didn't get married um <laughs> not yet is he married to anybody yes he is he got married oh. actually very young I think he yeah, was like, Andrew did yeah I knew yeah. that about Andrew okay Stupid Andrew I have a question Lillian real quick do you know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is uh, yes, I do. Isn't he the one who, um, he got married to the woman who directed 50 shades of gray. Okay. So I don't know who you're speaking of. No, you're wrong. I'm um, <laughs> no, no. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. How old are you? 12 now? Wait, um, who am I thinking of? I don't, I don't know. know. Um, it's fine. Claire, my new co-host decided oh, that Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor Go ahead, JTT. Try again. Try again, is Lillian. From, is he the guy from Home Improvement? There we go. Okay. Thank God. Okay. The reason I bring him up is because I loved him and he was who I was going to marry. And just like you said, I liked him for all the right reasons. I thought JTT and I, I mean, he read books. He was really mm-hmm. witty and funny. And con- I thought we had a much bigger awesome. connection. So I get yeah. that. Okay. Obviously, we don't have a connection because you didn't know who he was. Yeah, who's the guy who directed? Lillian the- is thinking of, in her defense, she was close. Lillian was thinking of Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> okay, see, not that far off. Thank you, Claire. <laughs> who, play, who plays Wanda Maximoff's brother, yeah. in, Pietro, in Beautiful. the Marvel Universe. He's I have gorgeous. no idea I what any of you are When you were 12, what did you, what did you want? want to be? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I know. You're the podcast. You're the guest. Hi, guys. Let's just make sure Lillian knows she is the guest on today. Do you know that? She's there. There she is. Go for it. Um, so I wanted to be a figure skater at that time. I was actively figure skating. So I think that I wanted to go to the Olympics or whatever. Naturally. Um, You know what? You look like Ice Princess. What'd you say? (gasps) You look like Ice Princess. You look like Michelle Trachtenberg. Well, thank you. Yeah. I remember when that came out, I remember being like, they don't understand how hard ice skating is. They don't get it's it. Really I thought it was better than that movie, but, um, turns out I, I'm not, um, 
so yeah, that was, that was my dream being a figure skater. As I grew older, I wanted to be like a, a fashion designer. So I guess like I didn't veer too far away from that path. Nah, wait, what are we missing? Oh, where did you want to live? Oh, wow. New York city. Of course. That was always the dream until it wasn't, which is part of my crushed moment. Done, done, done. <laughs> All right. Well then take it away. Tell us your crush story. Okay, cool. So my crush story has to do with wanting to live this like New York city life and to work in fashion and be all chic and cool. And that dream began probably when I was 15. So I actually sprained my ankle pretty bad when I was 13, which ended my skating career, but also I kind of wanted to end it because it was, I was just gonna say were you ready for it to be end I was, was that devastating? so ready okay I was okay. so ready also I was really tall I'm 5'10 and I just kept on getting taller and taller and like it just that's a long work. way to fall to hard cold ice yeah. <laughs> it is it really is do you know um, what this is right now this is the Disney movie where the mom is like dude ice skating is your dream and then the girl turns back and she's like no mom it's ice your skating dream. is your dream <laughs> yeah my mom was like all right cool be done with it that's great. That's exactly oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. My mom was actually supportive of that. Um, but yeah, so I switched my passions to figure skating and I mean, sorry, fashion. And I kind of was like, I don't know. I was conflicted as a teenager because I was consuming Harper's Bazaar and Vogue and designing my things. And I wanted to go to FIT in New York city. But then I also got really serious about my faith. And I was like, are these two things opposed to each mm-hmm. other? Um, so I went to Ave Maria University. I studied there, obviously. And I exactly. That just plays all the time at the school. Um, and I realized that there was a connection between the expression of the human person and personal style. So kind of reinvigorated that fashion dream. I moved to New York, worked at Verily as a style editor and, um, Basically, the magazine was not like doing super great after a while. It still exists today, but none of the original editors are on the team because everybody got laid off. What is Verily? I'm sorry. What is Verily? Verily magazine is like a Catholic women's magazine. Got it. Okay. Um, It's just kind of like. Okay. Trying to get the emphasis to Cosmo. Um, Okay. Okay. So I was trying to make it in New York as a fashion stylist after barely. Okay. And I was just like desperately trying to live in New York and New York is kind of like a boyfriend who you're in a relationship with, but you're kind of on that getting to that, you know, the outs where it's not Uh really working out anymore. And you feel like they're kind of slowly kicking you out. Um, and so I was just killing myself trying to survive in there. And then I finally got this gig at like my favorite designer label. Um, and I thought it was my big break and it was crazy because once I actually did it and I was like in the fashion world and I was doing like fashion week and, um, photo shoots, I realized I was like, I don't want to do this. And it was an interesting crushed moment because it was almost like I was betrayed by myself. Um, but I felt like I felt very guided by God in that regard Mm -hmm. because I had been playing all these novenas begging to get a job in fashion. And then I did get the one, like the dream one that I wanted. 
And then I was like, wait a minute, I hate this and I don't want to be in this. Um, so I, it was, yeah, it was like, I lost my identity. I had no idea who I was anymore. After all these years of thinking I was fashion girl, um, I was left with just no direction and feeling like, um, yeah, like I didn't know what the heck God wanted me to do anymore. And I felt, um, yeah, very lost. So, so yeah, that, that was kind of my big crushed moment, crushed by myself, crushed, but also sort of freed at the same time, which led to other avenues in which God has, you know, placed me. And I'm very grateful for that. But I think that that moment of realizing that I didn't want to have anything to do with the fashion industry, like the mainstream fashion industry, that was, um, yeah, and like crushed in the sense that I felt like I got kicked out of New York, kind of, Mm. and crushed because I didn't want my dream job anymore, uh, and crushed because I wasn't the successful person in that industry. So, so yeah, I would say, I would say that that's kind of my big moment. When you say it's interesting. Cause you said, I feel like I was betrayed by myself. Did you ever mm-hmm. feel like you were betrayed by God? You know, not really because I felt like there was such a clear direction. Cause at the same time I felt I like I betrayed myself. I also felt an immense amount of relief mm. because I was, I realized, oh, I don't want to do that. I was like, oh, I don't want to be a part of an industry that kind of serves itself. It's just this circular, like Mm -hmm, rich people mm -hmm. making clothes for rich people and very closed off. I was given a perspective on Mm -hmm. what I, like finally given like a real perspective. I felt like God was like, hey, you've been praying for this a long time. I'm going to give it to you so you can decide what you think of it. And so- I think that I felt betrayed one by God when I wasn't given something immediately as like an answer. So I basically went home. Okay. Um, and this is also a part of my crushed moment because I had a year or so of just depression of not knowing who I was and living at home with my parents and not having the cool New York city identity and not I was just stripped of all the things that I thought made up my worth. If you've lived in kind of one of the cool places that other people think are cool, whether you realize it or not, it has become a part of your identity. Yeah. And when you leave that cool place Mm -hmm. or either you got kicked out, right. Or you kicked yourself out, whatever it means. It is so like, it is so crushing because it's like, especially when you go home. Yep. It, I mean, you know, you feel like you're in like a Zach Braff movie or something. Wait, do you guys even yeah. know who Zach Braff is? Oh gosh. Yeah. You, it's like, you feel like you're in this independent film, right? Where everybody's like, oh, you were that girl. Like you were the yeah. girl that was supposed to make it. Or you were the girl that was, oh, it didn't work out. And their own identity issues, right? Because you were there and now you're back. And it is just such yep. like a convoluted thing of people with their value, where they're putting their value and worth. And it's, oh gosh, it is hard. It's crushing. Yeah. It is. It is. And so I was just kind of like existing in my sweatpants and trying to freelance write. And 
trying to make money and just being like, I don't know how I'm going to make money. Like, what kind of a job do I even want? What kind of a job will even take me? I had this weird experience with fashion and sort of like writing. Um, and so for a year I was just begging God, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you've just kind of abandoned me. You've, you've sort of led me, you've led me to a place where I've let go of my own dreams and my identity. And I've willingly Mm. done that. And I'm, I'm happy to move forward from that, but I don't feel like you've led me to anything else. And I feel like you kind of just dropped me in Pennsylvania and you're like, well, sorry, it didn't work out. Um, and so that was a tough year of learning to, I don't know, learning to listen to maybe what God was asking me to do, which I eventually did figure mm-hmm. out, but maybe that's like, you know, another extension of the story, but oh, okay. no, I definitely want to hear it because I think so many people, especially women in their twenties, um, teens and twenties, and we think we're supposed to have these life plans and goals. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize a lot of times that life is, that's not the way life works. Even though 50 million people will sit, stand on a graduation stage and tell you that and be like failure and all this stuff. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Right. Well, I'm the exception, right? Like mm-hmm. how many times have we, we love Americans. We love to be the exception, but yep. I 100%, I think that it is so hard to feel like, what am I supposed to do now, God? Mm. And then you're not telling me. Yeah. Or if you, if, if that's not your thing, if you don't believe in God or, or that's not really your thing, just like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And I think so many people, especially like I have a friend right now who was just posting on Instagram and talking about like, she was going one way with singing and all this stuff. And now she's like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I think a lot of times that's the other thing. It's like, especially if you live a life of faith, I hope we're asking questions like, what does God want from me? You know, like not just what do I want, but also what do I want? Cause that's important because, you know, it's just such a weird, like mixture of things. It's just, it's all trying to figure out what is God's will versus like, what is your will? And if those two things can kind of come together to lead you to a place of fulfillment. And I think that the big thing that I was missing during that whole existential crisis of leaving New York was that um, I wasn't really happy in New York. I was happy on a, that superficial sense of like, Mm. oh, I can take Instagrams of Bryant Park and Mm. everybody can see that I'm living this cool New York city life. Mm -hmm. Um, But even though I was, I had achieved this goal, I was still lying in bed at night wanting more and like thinking that everything that I had wasn't enough. And um, being stressed and I was not really happy. And so when everything was taken away, I was left with the bare bones of my life. I had to start finding joy in those little things that I had thought were not important. So I was living next door to my best friends who have these kids and just these kids, they just had these kids. kids. We don't know them, but they're these kids. Yeah. (laughs) I said, that's so weird. I like, no, so I'm, great. I, I love care. those kids. So they have a bunch of kids and, um, and I have sisters who have like a bajillion children too. And I just started enjoying simple day-to-day things of just sitting outside with kids and just playing with them. And I was like, this is enough. Like, how is this enough for me? The person who thought that I had to conquer the fashion world and be jet setting everywhere. Um, 
And it was like, the biggest lesson was finding joy in the small things. And that carried on in my, uh, my day-to-day life where I didn't have this ridiculous expectation for myself anymore. And I didn't have ridiculous expectations of God, I guess. I don't know, like God, you can have expectations of God, but, um, sometimes again, like the will thing, like if it's only your will that you care about, it gets messy. But, um, I got to a point where I was praying in church and I was like, God, what is it that you want me to do? Like I've been led to this place, but now I have no real means of financial support or mission really, or light, like meaning. And I think that as millennials were especially like, I need to do meaningful things. Mm -hmm. And so I remember praying and just hearing my own voice in my head. I didn't have like God's voice, but like, Lily. Um, but I love it that was- that's God, God for you. Lily. <laughs> so I, I heard, um, I heard in my head, you're a writer. So write. And I was like, oh yeah, like I am a writer and that is what I'm passionate about. And, and the whole time, that whole time I had been writing, like I've been writing my whole life and that's has been a mainstay. And I, had been brought to this point of having an understanding of the theology of the body and personal style and this expression of the human person through it um, that had really nothing to do with the fashion industry. And so I took that as that kind of a new purpose and a new meaning of, hey, like write this book, pursue this mission, um, write things that people relate to and like the rest will kind of fall into place. And I let go of all of that stress and all of that panic and distrusting God. And I felt so um, comforted in the fact that I, I felt like that, that that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been doing that ever since. <laughs> well, I also like the idea that there's, a, I mean, there's so much in the story that I really like, and we've had other people, actually our second guest of crushed was Erica Ty Campbell. And she talked about very cool. similar. So she oh, was nice. talking about, I was going to education. That was my mission. That's what I went to school for. I, you know, set up pretend classrooms. I used to help my old, one of my teachers like that. It was everything. It was everything. And then I got there and I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Right. And I think sometimes, you know, our dream jobs, we don't get because we don't get them. And sometimes we get them like you and Erica. I mean, she didn't actually go, but she went to school for education and it's like, Oh wait, this isn't what I want. And I think sometimes even going back to our conversation about dating and what Claire was saying when she was like, okay, now I'm narrowing in what I want and what I don't want. I think I had this, um, coach one time when I was trying to decide if I was going to go back to the entertainment business or not. And I remember I was like, okay, I want this person to direct this film that I'm writing right now. And she goes, okay, why? Like, does it have to be this person? Are you going to feel like it doesn't work out if it's not this person. And she goes, why do you want this person? I go, well, I want somebody who's um, improv-based, collaborative, um, kind, knows how to treat people well, um, funny, uh, smart, all these different things. She's like, so write that down. Stop mm-hmm. focusing on this one person and write the, the qualities that you know to be, make a great set. And it was this like, and what was really interesting is as I got later in the process, I realized like, I will probably direct this one day and it will be me that directs it. Whereas I was always thinking, oh, I'm going to act in it. But regardless of what happens, because <laughs> I just said I'm collaborative and funny and kind, you're welcome, everybody. But <laughs> I think what's so fascinating about what you're saying and is that, and what Claire was saying about dating is I think sometimes we think 
we're supposed to have this one thing or this one person. And it's really asking the question, like, what brings me joy? What brings me peace? What brings, what, like, what, like is light to me. And I don't just mean light, like as in brightness, I mean, light, like doesn't weigh heavy on my shoulders. What, and, and, you know, I don't believe in following your bliss. I think that's BS, but I do believe in, in discerning and being um, self-aware to know what's, you know, bringing me life and what's actually taking me away from life. It's why I love St. Ignatius and the 40 day prayer adventure. And I think just hearing you right now is so wisdom filled. Like I'm even thinking about things about me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I, for myself, I was going to be a famous actress in a sitcom. I was basically going to be Jennifer Aniston. And that's the, and I gave, and I've talked about it so many times. I gave up so many opportunities that could have become something or maybe nothing because I was so blindsided. And my husband on the other end came to LA and was just like, I'm going to, I like to do this. So I'm going to take whatever comes to me and watching our, both of our careers and yeah, I've had like good TV roles, but like, honestly, his career is so much more interesting and flourishing. Whereas mine is in this place of like, it's just a very different thing. So I'm really impressed. How old are you? I'm 30. I mean, I'm impressed that as a 30 year old, and when did this all happen in New York? Uh, like when I was 27. I mean, that's pretty incredible. That's pretty phenomenal. Seriously. I remember um, my oldest daughter, she's 26. And she, um, uh, she said she was first starting therapy. I think she was like 18 and she was starting it in the school she went to. And the, the teacher counselor person was like, do you know what an incredible thing this is as an 18 year old you're starting therapy? She was like, cause she was feeling really down on herself. And she was like, I should have started. And then she was like, I'm having 50 year old start. And wow. I think that there's an element and it's not comparative, but it's like, I think sometimes when we don't have something we want, husband, kids, career, whatever, whatever the thing is, then we kind of shame ourselves or berate ourselves that we're not where we need to be when we don't. And my husband reminds us a lot. We don't realize the award-winning stuff that's happening right now. And the award-winning stuff that you and Claire are doing as, you know, 28 and 30 are really amazing thing. That's going to serve you as you keep getting older. Um, that I think a lot of people don't, my husband and I talk about it all the time. Our careers are nowhere near where we wanted to be, where we want to be, but everything that's happened has just made us where I like myself a lot more because I'm around a lot of yeah. people who have the career that I want and I don't really like them. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so true. And like, I, it's funny because I almost feel like I was forced to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Like, and even as a single 30 year old and like in Catholic world, 30 and single is like, mm, you're the crypt keeper. You don't have <laughs> a million kids. Like, um, yeah. what are you doing? And yeah. I'm just gonna, I, I want to wait. I want to say something because I want to shut that down because I know we have a lot of, I know we have a lot of Catholic listeners. I also know we have a lot of Christian listeners. I also know we have a lot of people either agnostic or atheist. And I want to say something right now to anybody who feels like they're 30 and they should have a million kids or be married yeah. or whatever. Mm, bullshit, 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 bullshit. I, I, it, that is nothing against those people that have that, but that's not the only way to be. And both yeah, of you no, are I, such testaments to that. Thanks. I think life and my, I feel like my life in a lot of weird ways is like wanting things that I didn't get <laughs> and like <laughs> learning how to see that those things that I didn't get are not a sign of being defective, but just that it's that 
you're like, not everybody's path looks the same and that God calls you to certain things specifically, like where you are at in your life. And like, if I had continued on the path of fashion, I would not be writing the content that I write about in terms of personal style and how that relates to like the faith or the expression of the human person. Um, and if I was married right now, I'm not sure if I would personally have time to pursue those things. Um, not to say that like married people can't pursue the things. It's just me personally, I only function on one thing at a time. Um, I, I can't multitask. So, um, and also just being able to write about being 30 and single and cause I'll write about these um, I'll write about my stories or I'll write about, Hey, like you have a purpose and a mission. And like, if you've been led to this place where you are right now, it's because that fulfillment is possible where you are and your life, like God has different gifts that he's asking you to use. And just because your path doesn't look exactly the same as somebody else's doesn't mean that it's not incredibly important. Um, and so Ooh, when can I you write say that, that one more time, yeah, just because your path to your vocation or your, your journey looks different than other people's. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you don't have something important to accomplish that is actually really necessary in God's like plan and helping other people. Like there's so many things specifically as a single person that like you're, that we are called to do as single people. Um, and that shouldn't be something that we like, I don't know, like, like poo poo on the gift. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's probably like a crappy way of explaining this, but no, it's um, not at all. Because I think what happens is, is things, I don't care if you are in finance, if you're in whatever you're in or whatever state of life you're in or whatever faith you're in, what happens is for whatever reason, something is put on a hierarchy, whether it's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether it's anything from money to white supremacy to be married, to being famous, things are put on a hierarchy. And the problem is, is whether we realize it or not, we as as consumers and people and humans put these things in idolatry and we sometimes don't even realize it. Why People Magazine will will, um, put a celebrity's Instagram up and not put yours or mine, right? Because they can Mm -hmm. make money off that. It's more important. They have more Mm -hmm. followers, it's important. And, and so, but really it's so they can make money off the person. Like, and if we can actually pop the bubble, then we can actually take the power away of all these things that we think are important and get down to like the smallness and the littleness of being back in your bedroom in Pennsylvania, as you know, when you just left New York being like, okay, what it is that brings me little bits of joy, because we've popped these like bubbles of, yeah lack of reality. I think what you're saying also about popping the bubble of the self is really Mm -hmm. crucial because a big thing that I ended up finding joy and fulfillment in was just investing in other people aside from Mm -hmm. myself. Um, and I remember like, like starting to listen differently to other people and because also because I felt like I had been kind of, my identity was ripped away from me and I wasn't sure what my worth was anymore. I was just more attuned to the pains and struggles of other people. Cause like I had experienced something that was like pretty devastating. And so I felt more like empathy for others and, and just being able to encounter another person and being able to um, give myself to them in mm-hmm. like form of gift of self, which is a big thing I talk about 
with my writing um, based on theology of the body, which is finding yourself in gift of self. That's pretty much what we're, you know, called to period. And um, we, when we focus so much on ourselves, it's just like, how can I make myself feel better? How can I make myself more successful? And I think that I'll be happy if I do those things. But really, a lot of the time, it just lies in encountering the people who are have been placed in your life around you and, and loving them well. And mm-hmm. yeah, just encountering who they are. Um, so we've had yeah, so like, many people on this podcast say exactly not in the exact same words, but what their crushed moment or crushed moments have done is given them empathy, mm-hmm. compassion and community. Oh, wow. I like myself yeah. more. I'm a better human being, you know? <laughs> Yep. Agreed. Totally agree. And the gift of that moment can allow you to be a gift of yourself and a gift to others. Yeah. The issue so much with the prosperity gospel, and I don't even look at it as a Christian thing. I look at it as almost the American thing is the prosperity gospel Mm. is that we're going to be a gift when we're powerful and when we're rich and when we're healthy. Mm. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, the best way you can like love someone is to just empty yourself out in a healthy way with boundaries. And, you know, the unhealthy way is what we were talking about before when you're dating someone and you're trying to, you know, mother them or something, but like, I'm so grateful that this podcast can allow people to be able to like share their stories. And I just think about Claire as in your, in your mission field right now, in your life right now, in the artist community that that guy was like, can I show you my art? I also think that I don't know if people understand, especially in the Instagram world, what a big deal it is when someone sees you, Mm -hmm. when someone shares your post or shares your art, when people share, I mean, I'm, I'm really like, it's like, I want these stories out there. I want this stuff out there. And, and when bigger people share, it's like, so such a gift. And both of you guys have a platform. You don't have some massive million, but you guys have platforms, you know? And Claire, when you have shared my stuff, it is such a big deal. It is a gift. And, and, you know, when you shared that one TikTok that you shared, like my stuff started to grow again and and it eventually went really viral. And I don't know if that is a part of the gift of self, you know, is understanding that we all can share other people's art or stories or work. I mean, if we want to, I don't think you should just go sharing everybody's stuff, but. And also that people that in creating your own art, that people find themselves in it. Like for me, when it comes to my writing, that's like the main reason why I keep doing it and especially have veered more into dating content Mm. because the more that I've been vulnerable and open about like my own personal struggles with it or my own like revelations or whatever, the more vulnerable I am, the more other women are like, oh, me too. Like, I also feel this way. And on Instagram and social media, there's that annoying, like ideal that's created of like no mm-hmm. struggles. Like there's so many Catholic Instagram accounts that like, I'm just like, Ugh. it's just a stream of perfection. And But the thing that I think really draws people to um, a healthy consumption of social media is when we're all being like vulnerable and kind of raw about um, ourselves and other people can find themselves in that and then not feel alone. Like the the comments that I love to, to get the most and that actually keep me writing is the people who say, 
oh, like I thought that I was the only one who felt this way. Or like, I thought that I was the only one experiencing it. And um, there's even a girl recently who I had gone to college with and we didn't have like anything in common in college. And she was talking to a mutual friend of ours. And she was like, you know, Lily, like in college, like we weren't really friends and um, we were really different. She was like, but now because I follow her on social media and she talks about dating and being like older, she's like, I actually think we're a lot more similar. And I think that we need to realize that we're actually like a lot of us are going through the same things and that we are in communion with each other. And it's not this like constantly desiring to be like the ideal. It's like, no, we're all we're all just trying to figure it out. And none of us are perfect and we're all messed up. And the sooner that we can like recognize that in ourselves, like the sooner that we can become at peace with all those things. I loved what you said, because I think that's the two sides of the coin of social media. Either you find yourself in it and you say me too, or you, um, or you feel shitty because you're comparing yeah. yourself. You're like, you I have should it. be like that. I mm-hmm. should be like that. Or I should have that. And right. I think it's so important when we're putting out content, whether it's a podcast or having a conversation with a friend, cause it's all we're having, we're, we're giving of ourselves, hopefully is like, am I doing this because I love someone else? Or am I doing this because I want someone to love me and to fix a yeah. wound in me? Right, and if right. I'm very, very honest, I can look back on things that I've done and said, and a lot of it, whether I realize it or not, is subconsciously, I need somebody to tell me that I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Or to fix something within me. We're veering a little bit because I'm veering us because I just think this is something that's just really interesting to me is there's so much emphasis, especially within our little Catholic Christian bubble right now, being a responsible creator. Kirsten and I were talking about it earlier with specific examples of just like, we're so responsible for what we put out. And I totally agree. Like, am I doing it because like, I love my audience. I want to put stuff out or because I'm looking for love because I'm looking for money as Lily and I talked about, like there's a paycheck attached to this. Um, But I also just for what it's worth, I've really been thinking about like yes as creators we have a responsibility but also like people who use social media as a means of consumption like their responsibility I would say is equal I don't know what that was that was God God being like stop it Claire no I stand by this I think like you're responsible for create you're also responsible for what you consume and 100% I just just been thinking lately just I, I I agree a lot of times like Christian influencers are called out and it's good. It's calling on, you know, calling on to do better. But also a lot of times I'm like, if you don't like it, don't consume it. It's like, yeah, it's, don't follow it. Here's I'm, I'm constantly talking about Jesus, which is crazy because I'm dressed like a Jesus today. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, nobody is force feeding me Jesus. You know, it's just what I've been. I don't know. And I think it matters. It matters as creators, what we're consuming too. You know, I don't know if we're having like a fire alarm situation here right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are I'm telling that. you, it's just, it's God being like, keep going, keep going. Yeah. He's like, oh, like it, it's, it's literally, it's like a, uh, it's the circle of life. It's the food chain. Like it matters as creators so much what we're consuming from other creators, from what we're reading, what we're watching, et cetera. Cause that's going to uh, form our output back out into this. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to what we were talking about with dating. If yes, yes, we can be, we can call out the person that hurt us, but we also have to Mm -hmm. call out ourselves that we allowed ourselves to be treated that way. Right. Right. I was both can be true. 
I was the one that's like, mm, give me more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You were like, I have to be, I have to be honest with myself that I like, as much as I got cheated on, which I did get cheated on, I have to be honest with myself that that relationship was also serving a purpose for wounds that I had not even addressed because I didn't even know that they were there. I, I thought I had figured it out, but I hadn't. What are we, 13 years after that he cheated, like I'm still figuring out some of those wounds and where those have, then I just put band-aids on them in other areas. Same wounds, different band-aid, right? <laughs> I should get a tote bag that's or a t-shirt. Same that's wound, so different band-aid. And I think that's also the, the gift of having the clarity to ask yourself questions. And I think millennials, we're really millennials and maybe gen what is before us gen z gen x no gen z is below us gen uh, gen x is before us i'm like yeah. a elder what am i i'm like a geriatric millennial but like <laughs> we're, we're really like this first generation that's asking these big questions why do i want this job why do i want to be with this partner how am i feeling right now um, therapy. Yeah. it's hard because we don't want to be self-absorbed but we do want to fix the stuff in ourselves that's causing us to keep making the same mistakes and either hurting ourselves or hurting others or both in the process so what I'm saying is life is hard and messy. I know it's like, there's no answer. It's just like, it's hard. It's um, hard. Really quickly. So I, we're in, the, my husband and I are in the middle of the 40 day prayer adventure. We've done this like multiple times, but uh, it's the, it's a prayer. No, it's a poem from Jen, John Henry Cardinal Newman. And it's God has created me to do him de- some definite service. He's committed some work for me, which he's not committed to another goes on very similar to what we talk about on this podcast, what you were just talking about. Mm -hmm. But this is one of my things that I really love. He says, therefore, I will trust him, whatever and wherever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I'm in sickness, my sickness may serve him in perplexity. My perplexity may serve him. And before that, it says, it says, I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in my next what my mission is. I think sometimes we're sold these things by these people like take my class, do my thing, read my book. And like, I'm not saying those, Mm -hmm. like we do have to ask these questions, right? I was just saying that we were just saying that, but like, we also have to know that sometimes we're just not going to know things and we're going to be left in perplexity. And like, that's part of the trusting and waiting and it sucks. (laughs) Yup. It sucks, but it's just, you just keep on trying. Like you keep on trying to live a good life. You keep on trying to follow God's will. You keep on trying to like, listen to what he's trying to tell you and having forgiveness for yourself for when you like, Mm. don't know those things, no answer. Just like, keep on going, (laughs) keep on trying. Speaking of mysteries, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have been able to hear that beep, beep every like minute. Um, But now I'm hearing like a lot of running footprints. (laughs) There's a lot of while you guys close down, I'm going to stay on, but I'm just going to go make sure. Everything- Lillian, um, yes. or is it Lily? What do you like to be called? I am. So my, I feel like my professional byline is mm-hmm. Lillian, but I'm a Lily person. I, I really to- want to call you Lil. Like we had Lil Romeo. <laughs> yeah. I want to call you Lil. You can absolutely call me. That. Thank you. Lil. Yeah. When you were yeah. Lil, when you were 12. Um, what would you have said to your 12 year old self if you could say anything to her? Um, from 12 to 20s, I would tell myself that I don't have to prove myself to anyone and that I don't have to prove myself to myself. Uh, for a long time, I thought that I had to show the world and show my family, which ultimately was just showing myself that I was good enough and that I had worth. Yeah, that like I had a place in this world that mattered. 
I wish I could go back and tell myself that like the way that you look isn't so important. I think that I fell into the trap early on, especially thinking that I would get respect and attention and success in the world by appearances, like outside of like, whether it was how I looked like, cause I went through a whole period where I was like, I want to be a model. Thank you. America's next top model. I wanted to do the whole fashion thing. I really wanted to be seen. And I thought that if I was seen and people approved of me and affirmed me and were like, yeah, you're good that it would prove to myself that I was good enough. Funny because I think that even ending up on social media, because I have to watch myself all the time because I'm still that person. I'm still that 12 year old where I can slip into, oh, I need to prove myself through the outside affirmations of, you know, other people. So I have to really be careful when I'm on social media and exactly what we were just talking about. Like, am I doing this to get that void filled from other people? Or am I actually doing it from a real genuine place of self-expression? And yeah, you're like worthy of love, no matter what you produce, no matter what you, um, yeah, no matter what successes you have, like you have worth, even if you don't do any of those things. Um, so yeah, that would be it. I, I feel that my bones, but also Claire, are you okay? Is everything fine? Yes. Apparently the mystery beefing, I'm at a friend's house. Apparently the mystery beefing has been going on for a little while now. Nothing of concern. It is a fire alarm. We don't know where it is like the, or the, whatever it is, the fire alarm. Um, and the footprint she said is just how her, they're like college student neighbors move around their apartment. She said it's like this every single day, all day and night. Running. It is really like running. Like maybe they're doing Zumba. Um, Lily, and that was like everything you were saying. I was like, oh, are you speaking for me? Like I literally have a banner in our son's room. Um, it says you matter. Um, mm. but it's for me. <laughs> like every time I look, I'm like, thanks. Um yeah. Uh, I mean, he, de- everybody matters, but I, I was like, where am I going to put this? And I was like, I want my son to know how much he matters, but also I need to see it when I'm in there. Yeah, um, well, women, we struggle with that so much, especially oh those of us who really wanted to get into an industry that has a lot to do with mm-hmm. the affirmation of others. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be a model. I wanted to be in fashion. You wanted to be in Hollywood and acting. It's like, it's, it's, those are industries that tell us that our worth comes from what we create, what we, um, what we achieve, how we look. It's really hard to undo that. It is. And it it goes back to like popping that bubble, you know, and sometimes it kind of, as much as we have to ask ourselves, why am I posting this on social media? Right. We also have to ask ourselves as humans, like, why is this happening? Like going back to the people magazine, like, why do they care about that person's Instagram? Okay. Because that person's Instagram has this many. And so they're going to get this many clicks and then Mm -hmm. they'll make money. So then they can create more, you know, it's like the more we realize that value is not actually like actual value is not what's driving things that other people's other people's lack of worth plus money, plus a lot of other things. And, you know, I've said this on the post on the thing before, but like, I allowed so many people who didn't know who they were to tell me who I was. And it was, and I had this moment where I was like, okay, just because they get to decide who gets that role 
doesn't mean they get to tell me that I'm not pretty enough or I'm not beautiful or I'm not hot or I'm not effable, you know, or whatever they, whatever their reasons for not casting me in the project. And that was like a huge thing that I'm still struggling with still. Yeah. Yeah. I totally got that. Totally feel you. Um, okay. So when you were in high school or what was your breakup song, your crush song, that kind of stuff. Okay. So do you remember, um, linger by the cranberries? I'm going to need you to sing it to me. Um, it goes, um, you know, I'm such a fool for you. You got me. Yeah. Um, that one. Oh my gosh. That was my song that I would like look out the window when I was like driving and I would think of Andrew, obviously I'd be like, wow. Do you have to let it linger? I was like, wow, he'll never see me. He'll never know me. It's also really interesting to me. Claire, did you have a guy that was like a a real person, not a celebrity? Like that was like, he'll never see me. He'll like, just what if, what if he sees me? What if he sees me? Um, I'm Beyonce. I made a run for it all. (laughs) He saw me. He had no chance. I threw myself in front of the moving bus, you know, like him being the bus. Like he never had a, was this the boy that was this the boy that you left you at homecoming? In another state, or was this a different boy? He saw me. I was his homecoming date. He saw me. Oh my gosh, that's one of my Lily. You half Lil Lil, as I like to call you, the artist (laughs) formerly known as Lily. You have to listen to Claire's episode. I think it's season one. It is okay. So ridiculously good, heartbreaking, hilarious. Visibility has never been the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be seen. I had someone say this to me the other day and I don't mind it. I don't think it's mean. I think it's funny. They were like, Claire, you can get a date. You just have a hard time keeping one. <laughs> That's awesome. We need to like share, like you need to help me. <laughs> I need to go on more dates. I'll give you my masterclass in meeting men on the train. <laughs> I don't have a train by me. What am I going to do? That's okay. Street it? Boys with Claire McCallan. I can't okay. promise Street quality. Boys but I can promise quantity and so much right, prompts, which is what we really want. So, but here's the other thing. I think I, I, you know, okay. So when I was late high school, it was the, I kiss dating goodbye, right? It was the guy that was like, I'm only, what is it? Courting and all this stuff. And then I have to go. But, um, I think now we're moving into dating, but nobody knows how, like in the Christian Catholic, whatever world now we're moving into dating. Nobody knows how to do it. Because nobody did, the people Mm -hmm. that should be teaching didn't do it. And so I like, and I did do it. I did a lot of it, but I did it in like still the, like a lot of it was still very like Netflix, not Netflix and chill, but like blockbuster and chill. (laughs) But like it was, (laughs) but vividly remember like, you know, being in LA and, and LA is nobody is faith. So they're asking you out, they're asking you for drinks. They're like, you're going out. And I wasn't pretty serious relationships while I was in LA, but I also wasn't. And I just think about like, I was not prepared by any stretch of the imagination to date by anything that I read. I just, the only thing that prepared me were like movies, which then effed me up so badly because I kept going for the bad guy that I could change. So, you know. Trend forecast for what I'm seeing coming in the romantic worlds for the fall. It's going to be a sweet nerd fall. Ooh. <laughs> I'm here yeah, for that. Forecasting, watching the world around me, paying attention to the movings of the Holy Spirit within myself. And it's a sweet nerd fall. 
Okay. Can we? So you know what? We're ending out. on that. Okay. Sweet nerd fall. We're so excited to welcome Awkward you guys. Autumn. Awkward boy autumn. Love it all. And here's, I want to say one more thing. Awkward boys can be awesome. And I think sometimes we allow ourselves to be awkward, but we don't allow the other guy to be. And we're like, oh, he was just like really weird or he did this, but we're like, oh, guys, we're weird too. We are. Hot dude, yeah. out. Jocks, out. Boys Jocks. in cool clothing, out. <laughs> the guy you previously ignored, in. If Steve Hot Urkel, we, was Steve Urkel fall. Do you guys know who that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, Urkel. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. All right. Well, Lily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you and we, all right. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.